Hello and welcome to A Photographic Life. Thank you, Florence, for that introduction. Florence is seven years of age and I really see her as being the future. This is our 100th episode of the A Photographic Life podcast. And as such, I decided, as much I suppose to do with the times in which we find ourselves, to focus on the past, the present and the future. Florence, to my mind, is the future. So what's the present? Well, as any of you know, or all of you know, times are tough and times are hard, particularly for photographers. And, you know, I could never have imagined producing this episode in these times when we started 100 episodes ago. I think really what I've noticed, which is so reassuring over the last week, is how many people within the photographic community, including myself, have offered to do stuff for free, to offer uh, reviews, um, advice, support for free, recognising that actually maybe it's time for this pay to play to end. I really hope when we come out of all of this, and we will, that that kind of uh, false narrative that I've spoken so much about kind of has an opportunity to kind of, I suppose, restart the clock and that we start to look at things in a far more communicative, a community-based way. I was going to start this podcast with something I saw and then I, I wasn't sure as to whether or not it was right to do it. But actually, I think it is. So I'm going to address this. Um, I recently saw that the Royal Photographic Society and the Open University were offering a digital photography, creating a professional portfolio um, kind of course. Initially, I saw it being advertised in a way that I felt was inappropriate, that over 10 weeks you could become a professional photographer. I questioned this. The RPS came back and said, oh, well, we didn't know in which the, the way in which it was being advertised, and therefore we've decided to change that. In a slightly kind of passive-aggressive um, response, I felt. The people running it for the Open University came back and they apologised and they said, yeah, you know what, we got it wrong. And that's great. But then I started to read into exactly what was being offered. And for me, it really fits uh, into where we are at this time. So this, this is the actual text that was being offered. I'm not going to make a comment on it. I'm going to leave it to you to decide whether or not you think this is appropriate, whether or not you think that this is where we should be with photography, and whether or not you think it's time for a change. So the RPS, the Royal Photographic Society and the Open University Digital Photography, creating a professional portfolio course. Navigate the fast-moving technological developments in digital photography and build a professional portfolio you're proud of. 10 weeks, £450. 
Most people own a camera that would have been the envy of professionals 10 years ago, but it takes more than clicking to create amazing digital images. On this course, you'll explore the theory and practicalities of digital imaging, from how light refracts through a camera lens to what makes a visually interesting image. As well as theoretical work, you'll tackle a series of hands-on assignments designed to progress your technical and artistic skill and share them with a supportive online community. Through this course, you'll use your work to create a portfolio for professional work, allowing you to build the skills and experience you need to prove to clients that you can deliver to a professional standard. According to IBIS World, the photographic industry grew by 2.1% between 2014 to 2019, and demand for professional photography and digital imagery is expected to continue to increase. You'll need a camera that creates images as digital files, and it should have some controls and settings. It's possible to complete the course using a smartphone with a reasonable camera. You'll also need photo editing software on your computer, smartphone or device. You'll use a variety of commercial and free tools, including Photoshop, Affinity and others. I don't know what affinity is, but anyway, let's move on. If you want to move from photography hobbyist to a professional level photographer, this course will support you to build the tools, knowledge and portfolio to get there. By the end, you'll be able to apply photographic techniques to create interesting images in a genre of your choice. Produce high-quality digital images using a combination of manual methods and editing software. Demonstrate knowledge of the internal workings of modern cameras, including smartphones, and how they create images. Develop your own photographic style and give constructive feedback on others. Identify different photo photographic genres and the most effective techniques used in each. All that in 10 weeks. Is that really where we are now? We started this week's uh, podcast, this week's episode with Florence. And I, I said she was the future. I've just spoken about something that I think sadly may be where we are, which I'm hoping will change. Now we're going to move on to the past. And I decided that for this week's podcast, this 100th podcast, we dip into the archive and find an interview that I did with somebody over 100 years old, a great photographer of the last century. Vienna-born Wolfgang Wolf Zizitsky was a documentary photographer as well and cinematographer, perhaps best known for his collaboration with Paul Rother in the 1940s, and his work on the classic 1971 film Get Carter. His sister was the photographer and spy Edith Tudor Hart, P. 
picture of hers hangs in my lounge. Trzitzky's first love was zoology, but he realised he could not make a living in Austria as a zoologist. He studied photography at the School of Design and Graphic Arts in Vienna. The political climate in Austria was changing, and being a socialist and of Jewish, Jewish origin, Trzitzky left for London in 1934, where his sister had already moved. Trzitzky married a Dutch woman, and they moved to the Netherlands, where he photographed postcards for newsagents. His wife left him a year later, which he said was great luck, because if he'd stayed there, he wouldn't have survived the Nazi occupation. He returned to England in 1935 and began working as a film cameraman for Rota, with whom he had a long working relationship. In 1940, he held his first exhibition of animal pictures in London and published his first book, The How-To Guide Photographing Children, which was followed swiftly by photographing animals a year later. Trzitzky became increasingly interested in themes prompted by Edward Steichen's The Family of Man exhibition in 1955 and set out to explore how people are different the world over and everywhere the same. His work for Geographical magazine extended into series on the daily lives of people in Burma, Thailand, the Yemen, Ethiopia and India. Photography yearbooks printed annually in the 1950s and 60s frequently included his images and the World Exhibition of Photography included his work in What is Man in 1964 and What is Woman in 1968. By the 1980s, Trzitzky was also working in television commercials and was the cinematographer for the children's series Wurzel Gummidge. I wonder how many of you remember that. In the same decade, he began to receive somewhat belated recognition for his photography in the Art in Exile exhibition in the UK and exhibitions at the Photographer's Gallery, the Camden Art Centre and Zelda Cheadle Gallery. It used to be in Cecil Court. That's where I bought my Edith Tudor Hart picture. More recent publications include the retrospective Wolf Zitsky Photos in 2006 and Wolf Films 2010. Seven decades of photography appeared in 2014, the same year he was granted an honorary doctorate at the University of Brighton. It's kind of interesting that because his sister had an antique shop in Brighton. Anyway, let's get back to Wolf. Chazitsky's photography enjoyed a renaissance this century with his inclusion in a number of group shows, not least another London International Photographers Capture City Life 1930-80 at Tate Britain in 2012. Trzitzky died in October 2016 at the age of 104 in London. And this conversation I had with him was had a few years earlier, just a couple of years earlier, I think, in his apartment in uh, Little Venice in London, overlooking the canal. We met up for a cup of tea. He'd been up since uh, half past 12 the night before, being given an award, I think by the Austrian embassy, if my memory serves me well. Either way, this is Wolfgang Jasitsky talking about 
what photographic education used to be like? Uh, the aesthetics of photography were never discussed on the, the technical side of it. The first year we had a lovely old man as a teacher. We were not allowed to use any artificial light and mainly we did reproductions of uh, woodcuts. Dürer, I remember, on an 8 by 10 negative and it had to be sharp from one end to the other and the old man said his name was Kaiser. Sushitsky will be a good photographer because he can put things sharp into focus. Right. Yes. And so, when you, but when you, I know you started to work as a photographer for postcards in Holland. That's right. First I had of all. to get a job somehow. I was married to a Dutch girl who I met at this photographic school. She was part of the class. And we got together, and I married her. We came to England. We had, I had to leave because we had fascism in Austria before Hitler. But by good fortune, I'm a very lucky man, really. By good fortune, I got an introduction to Paul Rosa who was one of the leading documentary people. And he, is, he said, I can't pay you anything, but if you want to learn something, you can go and be an assistant. And he assigned me to a young man who had made some very good 16-millimeter films about London. And he was engaged on a series of zoo films which was up my street because zoology was always an interest. And we had a good time because uh, Julian Huxley was in charge of the zoo then, of the Zoological Society. And we had the help of the teachers we sometimes could go beyond the barrier and sometimes they made a hole in the fence for our lens to get the point through. Rosa produced these films, he was the producer, and uh, he soon assigned me as a cameraman to my first film in Scotland. Uh, children of the city. It was called about uh, wartime children who were neglected and run wild. First, okay. I went to see Stefan Laurent, who was the editor of Picture Post, with some of my London photographs. And he looked at them and he said, they're lovely photographs, but you're not a photojournalist. Right. I didn't use a miniature camera. I had a 6x6 Rolleiflex then, I think. 
And uh, when I thought about it afterwards, uh, I thought he was right. Yes, I wasn't. I was for single photographs and not to tell a story. During the war, I confess I tried to get out of digging ditches, which the Pioneer Corps had to do, and they put aliens into the Pioneer Corps. And I got myself a job with a chemical, medical, a company, Ballas Welcome, which protected me so that I didn't have to do that. But again, by chance, I met Donald Alexander in the street and he said, we need cameramen because most of them are called up with the Army Film Unit, the RAF Film Unit, and the Navy Film Unit. So are you free? Could you come and join us if we get work permit for you? And I said yes. Uh, evening then we had this wonderful book uh, which was published in Germany, Photo Auge it was called. Do you remember it? No, I don't remember. There was an exhibition which in Germany which had the first modern photographers in it like Morley and Man Ray and people like that. Well, I had little personal contact with photographers because I was working to earn a living in films. But I was aware of their work, yes, in other films. The Norman Hall brought out a series of uh, books as well as his magazine. Well, I was happy to do both, yes. Between films there was sometimes a couple of weeks or so waiting for the next job. So I had time to go through Charing Cross Road, which attracted me because my father was a bookseller. Mm. Listening back to that uh, conversation that um, Wolf and I had all those years ago when he was over a hundred it was just incredible to hear somebody talking firsthand about things which I've only studied particularly people like Norman Hall and if you're not aware of Norman Hall and if you're interested in British UK photography then you really need to check out Norman Hall because he kind of held the the firebrand through the 1950s and 60s for British documentary photography. Uh, And in a way, kind of Bill Jay, and somebody who, as you know, as a regular listener to this podcast, I'm hugely uh, connected with in many different ways. Uh, Bill Jay kind of took on that baton from uh, Norman Hall. So do check out Norman Hall. Uh, Also, just... You know, things don't change. This is a photographer who is moving between stills and moving image. It's what we should be doing today. But in a time when there's so much discussion and the rhetoric that we're hearing in the past week has been referring back to a war, a war against a virus rather than a war against fascism, 
um, it seemed appropriate to me to bring uh, an extract of that discussion. And that discussion or that conversation went on for a number of hours. And actually, it was very difficult to find a little bit there. But I hope you found that interesting enough that if you're not aware of Wolfgang Schuzitsky, uh, now you are. And now you should check out his work. I'm a huge fan of his sister's work, Edith Tudor Hart. And I wasn't aware of her uh, importance in the uh, spy network, the Russian spy network, um, until only very recently despite the fact I'd been aware of her work and, and bought a print of her work, I think, back in 1990, 89, something like that. So, there you go. That's Wolfgang Zizitsky with The Past. It's Florence, the future. And sadly, I suppose, that little story about what's being promised with an online course... Um, kind of, I suppose, reflecting where we are. What I really hope is that going forward, where we are changes, that this idea of people being willing to offer support for free continues after this whole situation with COVID-19 finishes. I suppose, in a way, I wanted the 100th episode of this podcast to be a celebration. And in the current climate, it feels difficult to make it a celebration in the way in which perhaps I would have liked. But I suppose really all I can do is try and kind of stay true to the reasons why I started this podcast. And it was started very much as a arm around the shoulder to people who are kind of finding it a little bit difficult to get through difficult times. I think hearing from Shazitsky uh, there, you know, he's talking about somebody who went through the worst of times. He went through the worst of times, created incredible work and stayed true to that belief. I think in a way that I suppose that's what we should kind of take from that, is that however tough it may seem at the moment, and certainly from a photographic perspective, trying to earn a living at the moment is not going to be easy. And it isn't going to be easy over the coming weeks, months, and perhaps years, as it wasn't during the Second World War. Wolf there, you know, Jasitsky, I, I keep referring to him in different ways, I know. All I can really see is this wonderful man sitting opposite me uh, with a cup of tea, both of us having a cup of tea, just chatting on a cold, rainy London morning. I don't want to be melancholic on this episode. I want to be positive because I am always positive. So, you know... Let's hang on to what the future is. And I think the future, as always, can be positive. Let's reject those false, unrealistic promises. Let's be realistic with the hard work that's got to be done. This podcast has gone a little longer than usual. 
not because I expected it to, but just because I feel it needs to. So over the coming week, because yeah, we'll be back next week and hopefully the tone will be a little bit more upbeat. But whatever happens, you know all of you really must take care. <laughs>